As we think about the cross of Jesus Christ, it is clear from Scripture that no one forced Jesus to do anything. The Bible tells us that he laid down his life willingly for us. He chose to sacrifice for us and our sins. And yet the fact that Jesus willingly laid down his life does not remove the fact that there were human beings who chose to persecute, to assault, to arrest, to torture, and then kill the Son of God. There were those who willingly participated in the murder of Jesus. And we wonder what kind of people would do that. What would be the motivation? How would someone choose? How would someone feel? How would they come to the point that they would choose to be complicit in the death of Christ? Well, we're going to examine that today, and I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word, if you have it with you, and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. We're going to be reading verses 6 through 15. And if you would, please stand with me in honor and reverence for the Word of God. Mark 15, verses 6 through 15. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing that it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest had stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father God, we come to you. And Lord, we pray that in this passage we might understand the sin that your word says so easily entangles us. We would understand the seriousness of disobedience to you and what it may lead to. And Father, that we would be more grateful, more alive as we live in the grace that your son's death, burial, and resurrection allowed for us to have, to live in each and every day as believers. Father, bless the reading and proclamation of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Who are the suspects in the murder of Jesus? 
Who are those that we should consider responsible, humanly speaking, for all that he went through, all the pain, all the suffering, all the hardship? We see several figures and groups in this passage. The first we come to is a guy named Barabbas. Now, the Bible describes him as an insurrectionist. It's not really a word that we hear a lot, but then again in this country, we did hear it. In January, we heard about insurrection and uprising. Today, we might call this man a terrorist. He was one, he was a Jew who got tired of the Roman oppression, of the Roman overlords, of those he did not think were rightfully governing his people. And in the process, he not only protested, he murdered. He shed blood and took life of innocent people to make his statement. And so there he was. He was waiting, awaiting his own fate, his own time on the cross, his own punishment. He was being prepared. He was on death row, you might say. And there was a custom that every year Pilate would, uh, he would give Basically, what we would call a pardon, a reprieve to one person. And, you know, we talk in this country about the pardon process and how that should go. And there's, there's guidelines and such. And then there's others who, you know, say it's important that we do this in a right way. And then there's a fuss about when someone goes out, who gets pardoned? It is, is it their friends? It is their, their money involved? And there's all sorts of questions every time a president leaves office about who they should and shouldn't pardon. Even governors have that power of pardon in the states. Pilate had that power of pardon. But from what the Bible tells us, it sounds like he didn't take money for it, but he did use it as a tool. Uh, he did use it to make his statements and to get approval from people. He knew that the chief priests and religious leaders who were bringing Jesus to trial, he knew about them and their motives, and he decided he would stick it to them because he thought surely when he went before the crowd, this group of people gathered in the city, and he knew that earlier in the week, on what we call Palm Sunday, that there was another crowd who had said, Hosanna. They had said, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord, King of Israel. And he thought, surely when I ask the crowd, that they'll let Jesus go. But instead, they chose Barabbas. They chose him because the chief priest, the Bible said, had stirred up the crowd. Well, let's come back to Barabbas himself. Why did he murder well, he murdered, first of all, because it was, he was a rebel. Rebel is an interesting word. We often think of rebels as cool, those who don't follow the rules. We have rebel without a cause being a, a, a classic movie, and, and we talk about rebellion. Sometimes we talk about those who rebel in a, in a, in a sense of, Oh, well, I admire them. But this is rebellion that was self-centered. Rebellion that didn't care what happened to anybody else. And he murdered out of rebellion against the Roman state. 
But also he was complicit in the murder of Jesus because when he came forth and was let free, he didn't say, no, 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 I'm guilty. He's not. He needs to be the one to let go. He gladly took the freedom that should have been given to Jesus and exchanged his penalty on the cross and let Jesus bear that penalty. So you have Barabbas, who was a suspect, who was complicit and part of this conspiracy to murder Jesus. Then you have the chief priests that we've mentioned. The Bible says some very interesting things about them that Pilate even knew. In other words, it was obvious to all that the chief priests were not out for justice. They were not out to see what's really best for the country. This translation, the latest NIV version says, out of their self-interest. But many other translations will say that they were doing it out of envy. And I like the Amplified Bible. It even says, out of envy and resentment. Have you ever done anything in your life out of envy or resentment? When you saw something someone else had, and you didn't really like that they had it, and you didn't. You did something out of maybe seeing someone else's success when you didn't succeed, when you felt like you should have. Or maybe they had something, a possession or a relationship. Did you become resentful when someone else was more blessed or more popular or more wealthy? Have you ever felt those feelings? Well, we've all felt the feelings. What we choose to do with those feelings, do we encourage them, feed on them, act on them, or do we repent of them and turn away from them is certainly the question. But all of us understand the idea behind envy and resentment. And for these chief priests, they couldn't stand that someone had come along and taken their spotlight. You see, they weren't just priests, they were chief priests. They were at the top. They were in the limelight. They were the ones that all of Israel knew. Oh, they're the head of the whole temple system. They're the ones that everybody knew were the great religious leaders. And yet as the people of God entered into the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, the name of the chief priests were not on their lips. It was the name of Jesus. And so these chief priests murdered Christ out of self-interest, based on envy and resentment. So there's chief priest, there's Barabbas, there's even the crowd. Why did the crowd go along? Why did, why did they shout out, crucify him? Why would they want to crucify an innocent man? Most of our parents, most of us growing up at some point had our parents tell us, be careful of following the crowd. Why is that? Because a crowd becomes a mob. A crowd has mob mentality and mob thinking. A crowd gets caught up in emotions and quick fixes and early or instant satisfaction. And a crowd does not consider what is truly right and truly wrong. And if any of us think back to times in our life when we messed up big time, often it will be part of a crowd. 
Often it will be going along with something that other people were doing. And so we just went along. And the crowd was complicit in the murder, in the death of Jesus, because they were whipped into a frenzy, because they allowed the false claims of the chief priest and their incitement, they allowed that to build them up into a riot. And there they were, ready, <laughs> angry to take things out on Pilate if he didn't go along with their cries of crucify him. And so that brings us to the fourth figure we're going to talk about today, and that's Pilate. Why would he murder Jesus? The Bible tells us that he had nothing personally against Jesus. Have you ever had people say something to you as they hurt you or before they hurt you or after they hurt you? Well, it wasn't personal. That's how it would be for Pilate. He didn't have anything personally against Jesus. In fact, his wife had had, one of the other gospels tells us, his wife had had a terrible dream the night before and came to him and said, do not kill this innocent man. And Pilate had no intention of killing him as long as he was in control, as long as it was you know, convenient for him to be just and good and fair. He would be just and good and fair. But the problem is it became inconvenient. Because as a Roman leader of any sort, a, a governor or any sort of official, your number one job to Rome was to keep the peace at all costs. You were to put down insurrections. You are to put down uprisings. You are to keep things from simmering and getting hotter. You are to calm the situation down. And a very irate crowd was in front of him. And even as he tried to do the right thing, they shouted over him, no, not Barabbas. Let him go. Crucify Jesus. Crucify him. Crucify him. They kept hollering and the crowd was getting out of control. And Pilate feared he feared the people and the uprising and that he might lose his life and his position as a leader. And so he gave in. Again, in another one of the other Gospels, we, we read the famous story where Pilate called and he had a, the big bowl of water and he washed his hands. Well, we have a thing today called virtue signaling. If you've ever heard of that, well, boy, if there was ever some virtue signaling, he said, here I am. I'm not guilty. My hands are clean. But spiritually speaking, his hands were filthy. Why did he murder Jesus? Because he was a coward. He murdered not out of hate, not out of resentment, but out of cowardice. How many times in life, again, have you been hurt by someone who didn't mean you any harm, but hey, you know, this is going to hurt me. So rather than me being hurt, I'm going to hurt you. I'm sorry you were on the tracks, but the train ain't stopping. If I run you over, it wasn't personal. I didn't have anything against you, but you got in the way of my convenience, of my security, of my plans. 
And you know, I just like my life more than yours. So I'm going to let you be harmed. It's cowardice and it's complete self-absorption. Without feeling, they can destroy your life. Without feeling, they can say nothing personal, but you're in the way. We get these groups, the chief priest group, the crowd group. We get the individuals, Barabbas and Pilate. And if we were to go out of these short little verses, we could also talk about Judas. We could also talk about the Pharisees. I mean, there's, there's plenty more. We could even talk about the disciples themselves who abandoned Jesus in his hour of need and what their responsibility might have been. But if we were to try to narrow this down and say, who is it? Who's the one that really, really, we, should, we can blame them. We can put our finger on it. We can say they're at fault for the death of the precious Lamb of God. That'd be a trick question because it wouldn't be A, B, C, or D. It wouldn't even be E or F if we included the Pharisees and, and Judas. The real answer is all of us. We're Barabbas. We're Pilate. We're the crowd. We're the chief priest. Because we willingly choose to rebel against God. Not against an oppressive Roman government that, is, that shouldn't have been there, but our rightful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Anytime we act out of our own self-interest, out of cowardice, out of envy, out of resentment, out of pure and simple ease. It's just the easy way. Or I'm just going with the flow along with the crowd. You and I, by our sins, we are the reason. The Bible says that Jesus laid down his life. And he shed his blood for Barabbas, for Pilate, for the chief priest, for the mocking crowd, for the soldiers who spit upon him and beat him, for Judas who betrayed him, for the Pharisees who hated him, and yes, for all of us who have sinned, we've rebelled. As the Bible says, we have gone our own way. And that story, which is a horrific story that points fingers at each and every one of us, becomes a miracle story when we consider God's grace. And this week, what is often called Holy Week, as we approach Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and then Easter itself, while we will certainly celebrate Easter, we cannot forget how great our debt to Christ is. We cannot forget that it was for us. Not for some bad folks. Not for, oh, those pagans over there. Oh, those criminals. Oh, those immoral bad people. No, we are all guilty before God without hope except for the blood of Jesus Christ and his grace that came for his shed blood on Calvary. Let us pray today. Father God, May you come into our lives 
in our hearts and spirits and help us to understand that without question, we are not good people. Oh, we may be well-liked. We may be good citizens, good neighbors. We may be likable. We may be helpful and even friendly. But God, by your standards, you said there is no one good but God alone. We've all failed you in word and deed and thoughts. The motives of our heart, if they were laid bare before others, we would not be able to withstand the shame if our hearts and our minds could be read because we all know that we have done wrong. And yet, Lord, by your grace, by the precious blood shed on Calvary, we are all able, not by our own worthiness, but by Christ's worthiness. We're able to be worthy. We're able to be under the covenant. We're able to be protected and washed clean by your grace. And Father, now as we sing, may this time be a time for each of us as person, of personal response as we think about how much we owe to you. God, if there's anyone here who has, Lord, they've fought against you. They have held out. In their will, they have blindly refused to believe in you. God, may today be the day that you break through that hardness and that they come to you. And Father, for those of us who've been in your family, Lord, and maybe we've gotten over what you've done for us. Maybe we've forgotten how important it is. Remind us of your love, your care, and your amazing grace. Remind us that on the cross, your son Jesus paid it all. Father, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.